Happy Sabbath once again, family. I hope you're doing all right on this beautiful Sabbath on the 16th day of the month of January and the 16th day of the year 2021. I want to report to you that as far as I know and as I've seen that God is still good, that God is still on the throne and that no matter what we are going through, God is still there. So I want to report to you and let you know that God is with us. Amen, somebody. This is a day to praise God and it's a day to worship. And I'm so glad because it is a day that God has given us to be able to connect with him in a real way. We may not be in the same physical location, but I'm glad that we can be in the same spiritual location. That in spite of the distance, the grace of God can still be felt anywhere Everywhere we are, we are in a series it's called Make the Move. And I want us to understand that God is interested in us making moves in our lives. I call them moves of faith to bring us to places that God intends us to go. God will not move unless you are willing to click, unless you are willing to walk, unless you are willing to uh, consult, unless you're willing to ask. There are certain things that God will not do until you make the move. We understood that the miracle is in the move. Jesus tells the disciples, take the water to the mass of the feast. And as they were moving Frankie, the water somehow turned from water to wine. I don't know if uh, you have water in your hands, but if you want it to turn into wine, you will need to move. I know I'm not, and I'm not saying you should go buy wine. You understand what I'm saying? The miracle is in the release. That's what we understood last week. That is when you let go of something that is precious. That God is willing to show you that he can provide for everything that you need. All you have to do is to let it go. In fact, when you let it go, it, come back to you, it comes back to you in a fuller fashion. Today I bring installation number three. And I've chosen as the passage for concentration this morning... The second, the second book of Samuel and chapter number six. Second Samuel, chapter number six. If you know me, I'm a preacher of the word. And I believe that without the word, it should not be heard. So we begin in second Samuel, chapter six. And I want us to pick it up in verse number one. In this particular passage, David wants to make a move. And he is making the right move, but something goes terribly wrong. So the text begins in verse number one. And David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God. Whose name is called, listen to this, the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. 
Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines and sistrums, and on cymbals. This was some kind of worship. <laughs> it was powerful, power packed. Verse 6, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put, uh, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the, the anger of God was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the house of David with to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced, oh yes he did, before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen effort. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Verse number 16 and the last verse. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. I've entitled the sermon, I've entitled the sermon, Making Sense of Roadblocks. Making Sense of a Roadblock. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us. Grant us your grace because we definitely need it. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. They are roadblocks. And right now I have a roadblock with the clicker. Somebody help me out. They are a roadblock sometimes we experience in life. Now you have to appreciate Indonesia. Because in Indonesia we have the toll road. And as you're moving around in Jakarta, say you want to go to the airport or you want to go to Bakasi or different places... Uh, you will meet a uh, toll road and all you have to do with the toll road is you pay the fee. And once you pay the fee, then you can travel on the road undistracted and undisrupted. What that means is that you can simply move and move and move and there are no situations that you'll have to meet and you have to, to deal with. In my country, however, there are roadblocks. 
That is, as you are moving, you are going to experience roadblocks in the sense that uh, I don't know what's happening. The clicker is not is not clicking. Goon, just take care of it. Thank you, my brother. I don't know the battery, but that's a roadblock this morning. But as you're traveling in Malawian roads, what you'll discover is that you'll come to roadblocks. And so what typically happens is that at the roadblock is you have a police officer, police officers. And what these police officers do is that they stop cars. Now, most of the times, if they want to, thank you, Gun, appreciate you. Most of the times when they want to stop a car, what they will do is they will raise up their hand and they will motion for you to stop. But if they will not stop you, what they do is they will do this kind of motion and you will continue to move. Now, if you are late for an appointment, a roadblock can definitely be a challenging situation because it can make you late for your appointment, especially if the traffic is bad. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, I feel that the police officers in my country, they will stop cars because somehow maybe they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And because they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, they will feel like they just want to stop anybody anyhow. And sometimes you feel like they have stopped you because they are not happy that you are driving a certain kind of car or they're not happy because they feel like you are better than them. Sometimes, honestly, it feels like that. In this particular text, there are two roadblocks that David must deal with. So David convenes his uh, leaders, his, his associates, his administrators, and they come together. And David reports to them. He says, the Lord has been impressing me that we need to go and collect the ark of God. The ark of God has been not with us for a long time. And I think that it is time for us to bring it back from where it has been hidden. And, and, and we need to bring it to uh, Jerusalem. You see, to be an Indonesian citizen, you need to embrace the Panchasila. The Panchasila is the essence of what it means to be an Indonesian citizen. To be a member of this uh, 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 country, you need to believe in the Panchasila. What is a Panchasila? Uh, you may know this, but uh, uh, for me it was revolutionary. You see, in the Panchasila, you have to hold on to five critical pillars. That is, you must believe in one God and only God. You must believe in a just and civilized humanity. You must believe in the unity of Indonesia. You must believe in a democracy guided by inner wisdom in the unanimity arising out of de deliberations among representatives. And you must believe in social justice for every Indonesian citizen. You see, for the Israelites... The Panchasila was the Ark of God. It was the essence of who they were. They were identified by this concept of the Ark of God. That is, they believed that God's very essence was among them. You could not be an Israelite if you did not believe that God himself was living among you. In fact... Engraved on the ark of God were the words, the name, 
the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubims. So they believed that God walked among them. They believed that God was the very essence. And so David decides that we need to bring back the ark of God. It was in Kirjath Jerim or Bel Judah in the text. And this is about nine miles away from Jerusalem. David does not plan for a small party. David does not plan for a small procession. In fact, David gathers together 30,000 choice men. David says that I cannot make this move without the, the greatest and the brightest in the nation. And so David with the 30,000 elite soldiers, they travel to Kirjath Jerim, nine miles away from Jerusalem. They get to a place that is on a hill to the house of Abinadab. And there they get to the house of, the, of Abinadab and they say, we have come here to collect the ark of God. And they load the ark of God on an on an ox cart. They load the presence of God on an ox cart. And they start the journey from Bel Kiriath Jerim and they start making their way to Jerusalem. Oh, it was nice because there was music. There was every kind of instrument you can think about playing. All of those 30,000 soldiers are playing music because they are moving with the ark of God. They are moving with the prince of God. They feel like they are on top of the world. And check this. Whenever the ark of God was moving, they understood that God is moving among them. In fact, they would say these words, Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be defeated. And so as David and the soldiers are moving they know that they have the greatest weapon on their corner in their corner they have God in their corner and so they are not sad but they are celebrating and let me bring it to you so you can understand when you know that God is in your corner you should not cry you should celebrate hallelujah somebody when you know that God is in your corner, you should not complain, but you should celebrate. And I want us to understand this morning that God does not live in an ark. God does not live in a wooden chest and covered with gold. The, 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 the greatest news this morning is that God lives among you and I. We are the ark of God. And for me, that is reason to celebrate. I may have bills, but I can still celebrate. I may be sick, but I can still celebrate. Things may not be going well at the office, but I can still celebrate. My foot may hurt, but I can still celebrate. I may not be where I want to be but I can celebrate because I have the presence of God with me you see I love boxers because boxers understand that they have somebody in their corner they have to fight yes they have to fight but they know that when they are fighting, it's only for a limited amount of time. And they get to take a break and go back in their corner because they have a coach in their corner. They have somebody to encourage them. They have somebody to lift them up. And I have news for you today. You may be fighting. It may be hard. But God 
is in your corner. And that is reason to continue fighting. That is reason to continue getting in the ring because God is in your corner. And so David and his men understand that David is within their corner. God is moving and things are going all right. Now you see the ark of God has been placed on an ox cart. And because it has been placed on an ox cart, they are moving, but they come to a threshing floor. A threshing floor was a place where after they harvested grain, whether it was wheat or barley, in our case rice, they would bring the grain to the threshing floor. And when it has been placed on the threshing floor, they would smash it or beat it up and they were separating the grain from the kernel. And so ox that were ox an ox cart was used to transport a lot of the times agricultural materials whether it was harvest grain or whatever it was and i believe that these oxen that were chosen to transport this ark of god they had probably been used to transporting agricultural materials and so when the ox that the the ark was on they come to this threshing floor one of the oxen got hungry and by nature it decided to stop and to eat some of the grain that was that was on the threshing floor. And because of this action, bending down to eat up some grain, it caused the ark to stumble. And because of that, because the, the, the ark is, is now about to fall, Asa put out his hand to try to hold up. And I'm sure he didn't think about it, but he put out his hand to try to hold up the ark. And in this summing seemingly heroic move, because I believe that if I was Uzzah, I would have probably thought the same way. I don't want the ark of God to kiss the dirt. And therefore, because of that particular situation, he put out his hand to, uh, to hold up the ark. But in putting out his hand, the text says that the anger of the Lord was roused against Uzzah. In other words, God became angry at this situation and killed Uzzah. I'm like, wait, God, um, okay, uh, what's going on right here? Uh, uh, Uzzah is trying to ensure that the ark does not fall on the ground. Why are you killing him right here? You see, this is a head scratcher because it's like, God, that's, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, when I read the text, I was like, Lord, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uzzah is dying simply for putting out his hand. That's not, is, is that not a little harsh? Like, like, Lord, is that not a little harsh? Now, now, David reacts just as how you and me would react. The text says that David becomes angry that the Lord has killed Uzzah. And the, the whole celebration stopped right here because David tells everybody, hey, let's stop. Because there is something going on right here that I fully do not understand. And God is so harsh. And, and how can he kill a man who I believe is heroic? 
who I believe has done the right thing. How can God kill him? And I believe that God reacts the very same way that we would have reacted because we don't fully understand. And right here, God is acting in a way that does not fit human expectation. God is acting in a way that David has not envisioned. David is doing a thing that is right, bringing the ark of God to the city of Jerusalem. But God is acting in a way that doesn't seem to appreciate or doesn't seem to, to, to take to heart the actions of David. God doesn't seem to recognize the move and the plan of David. And instead of God not appreciating, instead of God God appreciating what David is doing, God is acting with anger. And sometimes I believe that we look at God and we look at his actions. We say, wait a minute, God, I don't understand you. This does not make sense to me. And like David, we become angry at God. We become angry because somehow God is not acting according to our expectation. And the text says David would not move the ark of God into the city of David. Because David says, wait a minute. I don't know, but something is not right. And so David would not move the ark into the city of David. David says, wait a minute. We have to stop and figure out what is going on. If God has killed a man for simply touching this wooden, gold-covered uh, box... What is he going to do to me? How can I bring the ark of God to the city of David? He might kill me. And so David decides to live, to leave the ark of God in the house of Ebed-Edom. The next slide, Agun. And so what happens is, in a roadblock, I discover that sometimes though, though I may get irritated with roadblocks, I discover that at a roadblock, the police officers, they want to check and make sure if the driver is driving the right car, they have the right license registration, they have the right amount of weight in the car, they have the right amount of uh, people ratio to the size of the car. And so a lot of the times, within a car, within, within a roadblock, the police officers, they weed out the bad driver. And so right here, David is moving, but God acts out in anger. And right here, David experiences his first roadblock. The first roadblock is, wait a minute, I need to pause and figure out what is going on right here. David is angry, but the text says David becomes afraid, and instead of moving on in his journey, he drops the ark at Ebed-Edom's house. Sometimes, listen to me carefully, when our plans are not working out, we may be angry, we may not understand, it is not time to move forward, it is time to pause and to reflect it is time to say wait a minute i don't understand what's going on but i need to pause my movement and so david also comes to another roadblock in the story as he is moving on and he brings the ark into jerusalem later on we're going to discover in the story is that his own wife 
The one whom he shared a bed with does not like David's movement, does not appreciate where David is, and, and, and she confronts David. She says to David, David, you are not acting like a king. You're not acting like the one who God has chosen. How glorious is the king of Israel today. You are not moving as God has. Uh, I believe you should be moving. And so she's, she's criticizing David for his movements. And so David now is met with two roadblocks. One is vertical. God is not happy. God has killed a man. But the second one is horizontal, coming from his own wife. And the question is this, what is David going to do? How is David going to react in the midst of these roadblocks? So the ark of God remained at Ebed Edom's house for three months. And the text says God blessed him. Now the news was reported to David that he has been blessed. But in this season, David comes to a point of reflection and he is thinking carefully about what has happened. He knows that Ebed Edom is blessed. He knows what is going on in his house. And he knows that the movement, the plan to bring the ark from Kirijas Jerem is a good move. But he must process precisely what has happened. Why has God become angry? And he begins to realize that there was a mistake that was made in the transportation of the ark. It was a, it was a good move. To make it easy to move the ark and put it on, on, a, on an ox cart because it made it easy. But God had prescribed that whenever the ark was to move, it was never to be moved on any vehicle. Four people were supposed to carry the ark and it was supposed to be moved by people. It was never supposed to be moved by a cart. Though it was, a, it was a good move, it was, a, the, it was making it easy, but they were moving against the directions of God. They were moving trying to modify what God had already quantified. They were trying to adjust what God had already put in place and therefore David needed to realize and understand that God's instructions can never be modified even if the modification seems innovative. You cannot modify what God has already quantified. You cannot be more innovative than God himself. And so David understood that in the movement, in the movement of the ark from the house to the city of David, there was a modification. And the reason was this, that the reason why God angry was this. If you had been moving according to my directions, the ark was never going to take over and other 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 would have never needed to touch it listen to me carefully and so David understands that we made a mistake and because of our mistake a man's life 
was taken. But if we had followed the directions of God, then this man would have never been taken in the first place. And so, you can't please God while you neglect his guidelines. You might be making movements in your life. You might be doing things in your life. But if those things are not according to God's guidelines, God will not be glad. God will not be pleased. And so David comes to a point of reflection and understanding that we missed to follow God's clear guidelines. And therefore, because of that, God has acted in this particular fashion. You can never move in a way saying, I'm pleasing the Lord. I'm doing the things of the Lord. If you neglect what God has called you and clearly indicated to you. You can never say, God, I think that we should do it this way. God, I think we should do it that way. God, I think this is the way is better. No, God will always come to you and say, I know that you think it's nice. I know that you think it's innovative. I know that you think it's what we should do right now. But I don't need your opinion on this I need you to follow my directions on this and so David understood and so when he realized the mistake he he cleared it up and instead of using a cart though innovative David went back to what God had called him to do what God has specified to be done and so the text says in verse number 13 and so it was when those bearing the ark the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and sheep. Now David is saying, I'm going to do things the right way. I'm going to follow the will of the Lord. I'm not going to do it my own way. I'm going to do it God's way. Listen to me carefully. Don't move yet, good. Listen to me carefully. If you want God to bless you, and if you want God to lead you forward, don't do it your own way. Follow the will of the Lord. And when you do it, like that God is going to bless you God was not mad at David moving the ark God was not mad at David worshiping God was not mad at David bringing all these people together but David God wanted David to understand it's not the size of the worship that I care about it is not the size of how many people are there it is not how you 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 you're bringing people together what I care about is am I being honored am my being glorified in your movements. And so David says, I'm going to do it different this second time. I'm going to move the ark, but I'm going to make sure that I worship him at every step. You can move now, good. I worship God at every particular step. You see, you see when you are doing it right, you don't have to fear God. Because you know you're functioning under his guidelines. You don't have to worry, am I saved? You don't have to worry, is this going to work out? You don't have to worry, am I in the right place? When you're functioning under God's guidelines, you don't have to worry, you're going to be all right. And so as we're making moves in 2021, let us make sure that our moves are within the guidelines of God. And when we are moving according to the guidelines of God, God is going to be happy. You, you know, one of the things that I have learned and that I did learn from, from a teacher is, is that he, he said to me, Henry, if you can only follow my instructions, at least 50% of the grade you have it. 
If you can only follow what I'm telling you, 50% of the grade, you have it. Because I had a tendency, when a teacher is giving me a test, I will simply start answering the questions. But I never took time to read the directions. Because sometimes, in the directions would say, I do not want you to circle your answers. I want you to check your answers. And because I did not read the directions and the guidelines, I, I would circle my answers and the teacher would give me a minus because I circled my answers. I did not check. But when I followed the directions, I could know that I'm taking the test and that everything is going to be all right. I don't need to be sad. I don't need to worry. I'm going to be all right. And that's what we need to do. If God has said go, you go. If God has said don't go, don't go. But you need to make sure that you're living your life according to his directions. And when it's like that, you can be happy because you know that you're doing all right. You don't have to wonder, is this the right thing? You don't have to worry and question God. You don't have to even question yourself. You can, you can be glad. And so David is, is, is moving and he's having, he's having a good time. But how does David relate uh, to uh, the second roadblock? The first roadblock, he had to pause. He had to think about it. But how does David relate to the second roadblock? Uh, the text says that, Michal, his own wife, and I want you to listen to this carefully. His own wife was criticizing him. And she says, how glorious was the king of Israel. Now she's talking to her husband right here. She's talking to her husband. She says, how glorious was the king of Israel. Notice, she's not relating to him as a husband. She's relating to him as a king of Israel. Now, this is Michal, Saul's daughter. She's calling David the king of Israel. In this instance, she is not thinking about David the king. She is thinking about the position that her husband once held. And therefore, she is thinking, if you were truly a king of Israel, if you're truly like my father, then you would not have acted in this way. And so she is upset. She is angry because in her mind, she is missing her father to be on the throne. And she is despising her husband, the one whom she loved, the one whom she helped to escape from her father. Now she is think, looking at him, not as her husband, but as somebody who has taken the position of her father and has diminished her own position. And throw, she's throwing a jab at David. She's saying to David, you are doing a thing of God, but you're not doing it the right way. She is questioning the motives of David. She's questioning him. She's saying, are you really moving the ark of God because it is about God? Or are you moving it because it is about you? So David does not pause. David pushes back and he gives her a jab, a nice one at that. He says to her, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father. 
and all his house to appoint, uh, to appoint a ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will place music before uh, the Lord. I will play music before the Lord. David does not pause at this roadblock. David pushes back. Because he understands that the movement that he's been making to bring the ark of God from Kirjas Jerim to Jerusalem, he knows that that is a good move. And therefore, he will not allow a person to misjudge his motives. He will not allow the, the uh, uh, wife to question him. He says, I don't know where you are getting this from, but I will not hear this. I will not move this. I will stop this right here, right now, because I need you to understand, wife, that God chose me, and because he chose me, I am doing the right thing. Listen to me carefully. There are going to come people in your life, people that are close to you, that will misjudge your motives they'll not understand why you are deciding the way you're deciding they'll not understand why you are making the moves that you are making and they will question you but when you know that you're moving on the right path of God do not pause you need to push through you need to push back you need to say God has called me I have been chosen and I'm going to continue moving on sometimes some of us are not moving to that job we're not moving to that location we're not making that application because people around us are speaking to us and they're putting things in our head that God has not put in our head and what we need to understand and to realize is God has called him I'm moving in the right direction and allow that to be your guiding compass allow that to be the thing that motivates you don't stop don't pause push back. I don't know what plans God has called you to. I don't know what he's calling you to. But if, if you know that you're on the right path, please don't pause. Please push back. You see, one of the things about roadblocks, they can be good, but they can also be bad because sometimes the police officers, they're just annoying. And sometimes I, I, I wonder to myself, why did he stop me? Why did he stop me? Many times as I was home driving, he would, the police would stop me. And I'll show them my license. I'll show them registration. And they'll look around. They'll find nothing wrong. And, and, and the only thing that I realize is that they stopped me because out of envy, out of, out of other reasons. And they just want to show me that they have power over me. But you know what? I looked at that. I, 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 dealt, I, I told myself, you know what? I'm going to continue moving. Anyway, eventually, they have to open this up. Eventually, they have to let me pass. And so sometimes people may distract us. They may disturb us, whatever it is. But keep focus on the goal. You have a path. You have a journey. And do not stop. You need to push back because you know that God has pos positioned you in a certain path you know God has called you to something you see there are two exercises that I like Frankie I, I like push-ups and bench press I like push-ups and bench press and that is when you are when you are on a bench press is that you are lying on your back and that is you are on a you're lying flat on your back 
When you're doing a push-up, you have to start with, you, you start with your face on the ground. So these are two positions, but these two exercises, they target the same muscle groups, the chest area. So when you are doing a bench press, you are on your back. And what you have to do is that you have to push up the weight. But when you're doing a push-up, what you have to do is that you have to push up your own body weight. But in each position, whether you're lying flat on your back or you're on your face, you got to push. You got to use energy and strength to push. Do not allow your position to keep you laying down or facing, you, facing down. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I believe in this. I'm going to push up. One of the things that I love about push-ups, Frank, I mean the bench press, Frankie, is that when the weight is too heavy, you can use a spotter. And what a spotter does is when the weight is so heavy is that he comes up behind you, he, he holds the bar, and with your push and his help, you're able to push up the weight. Hallelujah, somebody. That is what you need to do in your spiritual life. That is what you need to do when you have made plans when people around you there may be a weight in front of you there may be a weight that you have to push up but remember this today that God is your spotter that God is your help and that God is going to benefit you when you say I'm not going to quit I'm going to push up so David in his two roadblocks he paused because God's situation for him was real he had made a mistake, but when his wife tried to step in, he pushed back. What I'm trying to tell you is this, if God is speaking to you, pause. But if somebody is trying to get in your way and you don't understand, you got to push back. Now, you see, in these two roadblocks, David experienced the grace of God. He experienced the goodness of God. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 13, that it was told David that God had blessed the house of Edom, Ebed-Edom. What that, what that means is that when David paused for three months, is that God for those three months blessed Ebed-Edom. And if you study this carefully, you begin to see that uh, the house of Ebed-Edom was blessed. Nobody got sick. The crops of Ebed Edom grew. He had a plenteous harvest. Things were going good. And this report, this report that Ebed Edom is blessed helped David to understand that even though God may get angry, he's angry is but for a moment. Even though God might be mad, that his madness or his anger does not last forever. And that God does not hold it against us, even though he has become angry. And so David began, begins to realize, I do not need to stay away from God. I need to go to God. I do not need to stay by myself. I need God's presence in my life because God is that good. 
I don't know. Perhaps you have been in a pause from your relationship with God. You haven't been connecting with him. You haven't been in the same place with him. Today is time to pray, to press play. It's time for you to go back to him because he's not intending to destroy you. He's intending to bless you. Yes, God will get angry if we're not in line with him, but that's meant to correct that's not meant to condemn and so David understands that God is so good I don't need to stay away from him and so the text says so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness he says no I need God in my life I need the blessings of God in my life I cannot stay away from him for so long. I need God to help me to figure things out. Uh, you see, here in this story, we get caught up in the fact that God killed a man for touching the ark. And it seems so harsh. But I want you to understand that it is the grace of God driving this story. And this is what David comes to realize. And I want you to realize this in your life. You see, when they took the ark of God and they put it on the ox cart, they did not cover it. They, they made wrong movements. And so God is seeing these people. They're making the wrong movements. They're not moving it correctly. And it is not covered. So here in all of this. If the, the, the ox had never stumbled. And, and it tipping over. And Uzzah put out his hand. God was going to allow them to bring this ark. Into the city of Jerusalem. The wrong way. But he was going to allow it. Because even though. God, because God understands. That my people. They are limited in perspective. And that they are, are weak. And so sometimes. We may be making mistakes. We may not be doing the right thing. And the grace of God is this. That in spite of your mistakes. He allows you to move. He allows you to continue going. Because God is that patient. But when it becomes too much. When it is too much. God has to put out his hand. God has to do something to let us know. This I cannot tolerate anymore. And so David sees. That oh my goodness. I was doing it wrongly. But God was showing him, enjoying me his grace. And that's how good God is. I don't know where your life is. I don't know how you have been feeling. And maybe you are feeling God has treated you bad. You are feeling, feeling that God has treated you so wrongly. But believe you me, God has been showing you mercy in all of this. And if things haven't worked out, it might be a moment for God to say, you know what, son, daughter, let's pause right here because I think you are now at the precipice. You are now at the edge. And if you do not stop, you might destroy yourself. And therefore, allow me to let you know what I expect of you. But it's all done with the grace of God. You see, I believe that in this season that David found himself in, he saw the grace of God because God had to help him to see that even though you haven't done it the right way, but I still love you. And perhaps you haven't done it the right way. You haven't been praying the right way. You haven't been worshiping the right way. You haven't been doing your job the right way. Things haven't been going on the right way in your life. But believe you me, God is still gracious to you. And you don't need to stay away from him. You need to go to him. Now there is something in this story. 
And I want to end the story right here because there's something powerful in this story that you should not miss and you need to take home with you. You see, at the very end of this passage, it's very sad, but something so powerful is that the Bible says, Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Wait a minute, Lord, you killed a man for touching the ark. And now you are a woman, a woman will not have children for the rest of her life because she has spoken negatively against your king. Once again, it looks, it looks harsh. And honestly, when I read it, I was like, whoa, Lord, <laughs> that's, uh, that's something right there. But, but you see, in this woman's lack of birth, in this woman's infertility, it was God's way of protecting David's status. Because God had said to Saul, you will never have another heir. You will never have, have another person from you that will be a king on this throne. And so God made this woman infertile so that David will always be fertile. God made this woman infertile so that David could always have a man on the throne. Michal could never say that I have now a son and that this son should be a king. And so God protected David's status. He protected him. And that's what I need you to understand. Is that God protects your status. You and I, he protects us. Because even though we may have sinned against him. Even though we may have done wrong things against him. But God will tell you and I that you are still my daughter. You are still my son. You can never lose your place with me. And so I'm here to tell you and plead with you. That do not allow roadblocks to stop you. Do do not allow these moments where things are not working out to stop you. Do you need to pause? Pause. Do you need to push back? Push back. But don't allow roadblocks in your life to stop you. And if you can live that way and allow God to always propel you forward, then whatever happens this year, you're going to be able to handle it. You're going to be able to know how to pace yourself. You're going to be able to see, should I pause? Should I push back? And that's what it means to be making and move. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for helping us out to understand that when we deal with roadblocks in our lives, we should either pause or push back. Heavenly Father, David knew what to do. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to also know what to do. How should we move? Should we pause? Should we push back? Somebody needs to pause this morning and somebody needs to push back this morning whatever it is they need to do father i ask you that you'd help them i ask you to give them grace and strength father we have learned and we have seen that your grace is ever sufficient and ever abundant please lord help us ever never to lose a sight of your grace thank you father for your love thank you father for your care in jesus name i pray amen god bless you keep on moving.